Hey everyone, Brian Young here with a quick announcement before we jump into this week's episode. Many of us are still relying on collaboration tools to get us through the day. So I wanted to personally invite you to a fantastic event where you can learn all about the latest innovations that WebEx is bringing to the market. This event is called WebEx One, and it takes place on December 8th and 9th. WebEx One is our premier digital collaboration conference that includes two whole days of conversations with thought leaders, luminaries, celebrities, technology partners, and of course, Cisco executives, plus over 30 customer and partner sessions. It will allow you to be the first to learn about WebEx innovations that work together seamlessly, whether you're in the office, at home, or somewhere in between. To register, simply go to webex1.com to sign up for this completely free and information-packed event. That's W-E-B-E-X-O-N-E.com. Or click on the link in the show notes to get started. Hello and welcome to episode 41 of Conf T with URSE, recorded Thursday, November 12th, 2020. A quick reminder that the thoughts and opinions expressed here are our own, and to please consult with Cisco TAC or Cisco Certified Partners before implementing any of the recommendations made on this show. I am your host, Brian Young, and I'm here with my co-host, Mr. Boyd. How you doing, sir? Doing great today, Brian. Thanks for asking. So we've got another great episode planned for our audience today. Um, we wanted to dive in a little bit deeper into the Meraki portfolio, specifically around two items that coincide with what we would call uh, physical security. So we invited uh, one of our Meraki uh, CSEs to come on the show, and we'll allow him to introduce himself and uh, talk about the Meraki physical security lineup. All right, we are here with Mike Lavalley. Mike, thanks for joining us today. Absolutely, Brian. Glad to be here. We appreciate having you here. Um, Mike, it, go ahead and tell us uh, to start what your title and role here is at uh, at Cisco. Um, so I am what we call a uh, CSE for the Meraki uh, Cisco side. So I'm a uh, consulting systems engineer, um, work with um, a sales specialist, and I'm the technical liaison for all things Meraki. Very cool. So today we wanted to cover some of the Meraki physical security stuff. Um, and in that kind of umbrella, we're going to be discussing the Meraki cameras, as well as the recently announced uh, Meraki sensors that, uh, that were just, came, uh, just came out recently. Uh, but let's start with the cameras. The cameras have actually been around for, I think, almost four e- about four years now, because I think they were announced the, my, first, my first year at Cisco, right? That is correct, yes. And when we came out with them, it was very, very disruptive because we were offering cameras that did not have um, any DVR or server that they would stream to. They actually had their own on onboard storage. And we've continued this model and refined it and improved it over the years. Um, but I'd like to just kind of hear from you, Mike, on what your thoughts are in terms of kind of the history of the cameras as, as they've come along um, since we've initially announced them and really what the benefits of doing on-device recording versus relying on 
a centralized server or, you know, NVR or something along those lines? Oh, no, that's, those are great questions. So I'll start with the last one first. Um, so with the centralized um, storage, what that allows us is that cloud management, right? So with the Meraki dashboard, that provides you a secure monitoring and management platform. Um, and with the storage on the edge or inside the camera themselves, it gives you the ability to see and review uh, footage that's local. So if you're on that local network, you're pulling it locally. You don't have to go to the cloud to pull it. Um, and then there is also a cloud option for uh, backup. So you could actually do a cloud subscription for a backup and you can do either 90 or 180 days with those. But again, if that's an option for legal purposes, it's not a necessity. And the um, on-storage edge is encrypted, right? So the data is encrypted from the endpoint through to the cloud and in the cloud itself. So only those that have uh, allowed access to view that video footage, we'll be able to view it. So the Meraki dashboard itself isn't actually recording or, or storing any, um, any video files there, right? We're not, we're not streaming full time to the cloud at five megabits per second per camera. Um, only in the cloud backup option. If you if that option is enabled, it's a one megabit stream from the camera to the cloud um, that is a dedicated stream for that individual camera. So if you have multiple cameras in an organization, something that you'd need to be concerned about is on the bandwidth for your internet connection, how much of that's going to be used for your camera backups. But if that option isn't chosen, then that retention is stored locally and it never actually traverses the cloud or the internet using that um, commodity uh, bandwidth. Um, instead, that retention stays local and you can pull it any time that you need to. So how do you access that that's uh, stored on the devices themselves? Can you stream it through the Meraki dashboard or does it have to be taken out of the camera before you can view it? So the only way to view it is through the Meraki dashboard. And there's a security protocols that go along with that. And that's where the encryption comes from. So if you are trying to just to maybe try to use a web page or web access to the cameras because you, you know, obtain the IP address of that camera or something, you wouldn't be able to see any of the footage that's on that camera. Um, if the camera is physically stolen or taken down and taken apart and that memory card is taken out, it's Without the hash and without having access through dashboard, that video and that that data is absolutely useless. Now you mentioned that the because of the the videos are stored on the device when you're accessing through the dashboard on the local network, you're able to stream that video from the device locally. But what about when if, for example, I'm at home and I want to check on a couple cameras in the office and I'm not VPN'd in, I'm just going over the regular internet. Um, how, how does that video get to me? Do I have to make some port forwarding changes on my firewall? What, what do I have to do? No, actually, it's all done through, again, through dashboard. Um, so what we see out in the field, just for an example, is with um, you know customers that use this for physical security, um, they'll have just a, you know, a Chromebook that's at the security desk with a web browser. And that's all they use to actually monitor the videos. So you can monitor this video stream from anywhere. Um, 
We notate that in dashboard with a little cloud to show you that you're accessing the video through the cloud. Um, but basically all you're doing at that time is pulling the video from the local device and through the cloud. And the cloud manages all the encryption by default. So you're just using the, the Meraki dashboard as a proxy, basically? Yes. Yep. That's a great way to put it. You mentioned the um, the security desk. Uh, our customers out there familiar with Meraki know that the dashboard manages each part of their network. So switches, uh, APs, and then if you add cameras in, um, is there kind of like RBAC, a role-based access control in Meraki that the security guys can only view the cameras? They can't start messing up switch configurations or anything like that? That's a good point. <laughs> that is a great point. And yes, so the uh, the quick answer is yes, we do. Um, but now we actually just in the last few weeks released a role-based uh, access to the cameras themselves. So before you could have administrators that would have access to the cameras, but now we've actually gotten that even grant more granular where the actual users could have either just to be able to view cameras or be able to export data, um, which really comes in handy because even that the data exports are hashed and that hash is actually um, legal in most states. I can't vouch for every state, um, but um, in for a court of law. So if there is something nefarious that's going on and it's caught on video, you can actually ex export that video and it will be upheld within court. Good stuff. Well, yeah, we want to make sure that if we're catching someone doing a crime, that the actual video evidence can be submitted as evidence and <laughs> exactly. not be thrown out in court. <laughs> that sounds like an important feature. Um, <laughs> I know you you touched on the, the cloud-based retention, and I know this is uh, a relatively new development uh, with Meraki in terms of being able to give people more retention time. But I, I want to talk about retention on the devices themselves. If, if you're... Um, a customer that's not looking to use the cloud retention option and pay the additional fees that go along with that, because let's face it, it's a lot of data. It's a lot of uh, online storage space that you have to buy. Um, so it's, it, it can be uh, pricey if you want to do that. But these devices have between 128 and 512 gigabytes of solid state storage built into them. What kind of retention are we going to be looking at for the, the different devices. I understand there's going to be a lot of different configurations and options there, but you know, what, what are we looking at in terms of retention on these devices? Uh, so again, like you said, it depends on how much physical memory is actually in it themselves. The, uh, the, the one you mentioned with 128, that's our um, entry level, uh, which is really good if you have a you know, really large deployment and you only need two or three days worth of storage. Um, mm -hmm. And then we have up to 512 gigs, which will allow you to have you know, up to 90 days worth of full video storage, um, even at 4K. Um, but where you can really... Uh, manipulate how much time you have is uh, when you when you optimize the uh, the different settings for retention. Um, so we see a lot of customers that will use just motion based retention, and what that means is when so when the camera detects motion crossing through. Um, it will actually start recording. So it'll record up to a second before the motion and then a second after the motion. So with that, with that type of scenario, depending on how much activity you have in an area, you could have anywhere between, you know, eight and um, 120 days worth of uh, uh, retention on an individual camera. Again, in quality of retention. So whether you're using 1080p or if you're down like maybe 720, um, would dictate how much retention you have as well, because more pixels requires more bandwidth, requires more storage. Right. 
and the way I understood, and correct me if I'm wrong, but if you turn on motion-based retention, which is a really cool feature, um, you're still going to have the last full, complete 72 hours of recording. But anything beyond that, they're just going to take uh, any events where there was absolutely no motion and go ahead and, and uh, purge that from the from the storage. Is that accurate? That is very accurate, yes. Yep. And that's the way that um, we can have that you know, previous and post uh, motion-based recording. So you mentioned, uh, you touched on motion-based search um, and retention, um, which is a really cool feature that Meraki can detect movement like that. Uh, what other features does this unlock? I mean, can you start doing people counting? Can you have an alert set up that if you see movement, it sends you an email or a text or something like that? What else is out there? Oh, that's a great question. So um, we have uh, machine learning built into our second-gen cameras um, that allow us to find out what a person is. So we can do a motion-based search. You can do um, your optimized retention again with that motion-based detection. So if it detects a person, then it'll start the recording and it sends you an alarm or an alert to say, hey, I just detected a person here, um, which is great for those you know, remote sites that maybe somebody's walking by at 3 a.m., um, you know, why are they on my site? But you get an email with a snapshot of about 30 seconds worth. So we call it ghosting, where you see the movement. Um, but what we do is we take about 30 seconds worth of video, we compile that into a single picture, so that when you view it, you can actually see about 30 seconds worth of video. So it really helps with the uh, security professionals and video professionals when they need to find a certain incident, this will really help them drill down um, without having to scroll through hours of video. Yeah. And I can tell you from experience where we, I had to investigate uh, how a, a pylon had been broken uh, by a parking lot when it happened and, and who it did it. I had to sit through probably about four weeks of video and it took a couple hours for me to find the actual moment when the guy mowing the lawn backed into it, it fell over, and then he propped it back up to make it look like nothing happened. <laughs> but it took a long time to get to that point. Whereas something like motion search, I could just highlight the area. It'll show me all the events that um, motion took place in that area that I've highlighted. And then I can just quickly go through them and very easily find, oh, this is when it happened. Here you go. It was two weeks ago and it was the, it was the guy doing the lawn. <laughs> I wish, I wish, I tell you, can cannot tell you how much I wish that feature was there when, uh, when I had to go through that. That was rough. That was not it, fun. It is. And it does save a lot of time because that retroactive, retroactive ability to be able to select that area of interest really does mm -hmm. save a lot of time. You know, if you, you know, like we've seen, if you said, you know, you put a laptop on a table, you go up to go grab a drink or come like, can you come back? That laptop's gone. You know, you can search that specific time frame in that specific area within the video to really help you get very granular very quickly. So it's, it sounds like with the machine learning stuff, there's quite a lot of additional capabilities and abilities within the product to be able to do more. Can, do we have anything uh, like that today that we, that might be more beneficial in let's say the retail environment that doesn't really necessarily involve security? Uh, absolutely. So some of the um, advanced analytics um, that we're seeing um, with third parties and other integrations is everything from mask detection. Uh, so as a, 
person comes into a facility, if that person doesn't have a mask, they're either not allowed in or they're flagged and somebody goes and talks to them. Um, or if um, there's, uh, there's also people counting. So we understand how many people are in a certain area. This ties in directly with uh, WebEx and uh, Teams so that if there's a conference room that may need, that can only seat four or five people safely in today's environment, then in, uh, the camera will count those four or five people. And when they come in, and you know, can use this third party to tag and say, hey, this room is already um, at capacity, don't allow any more people in. And that can, that can be used throughout you know, a single conference room, or it can be out, used through an entire building. Um, so that, that those advanced analytics and, and machine learning are actually built into the device itself. So you can use it as a uh, MQTT um, connection for, um, like we see major, um, we actually have a customer um, that's in manufacturing and they have a, a massive uh, press machine and the press machine requires three people to operate. So there's cameras in that um, area to monitor that press machine. And if each camera doesn't detect three people, that machine does not operate. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that was really cool. cool. So, yeah, it's amazing what some of our customers are doing with the uh, implementation and uh, just the creativity that they have. Yeah, and I, I especially like the stuff about kind of the, uh, the, the, the room occupation. Um, I, I know that... WebEx and the the, um, the telepresence units that we have have been doing it for a while now where you can get, um, because of the artificial intelligence machine learning stuff that's inside these devices and inside WebEx, we can get, um, you know, person counts of how many people were in our meeting space during a meeting and stuff like that for analytics after the fact and to see how, how much, uh, let's say, a conference room is being utilized. But that's only when those units are actually being used. If you're just going into a conference room to have a sit-down meeting and you're not using a WebEx or a telepresence unit, you're not getting into those analytics. But with the cameras, you pop a camera in there, camera has the the built-in machine learning, it's able to detect people, it's able to count the number of people, and then it sounds like I can link up with some digital signage, send an alert, hey, you know, that the 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 video unit that's in that room, I can have a have the the signage change to show a red screen that says, "Hey, this this room is over capacity." As a reminder, please no more than four people due to COVID. Please, uh, please take care of that. Uh, it it sounds like we can do all of that with with just a camera. We can, yes. So, Mike, you went over a couple a couple different options as far as you know onboard storage. What do the different Meraki MV models look like? Um, so there's actually a full lineup of security cameras from outdoor to indoor security, um, and then specialized within those two areas. So we have a narrow angle, um, wide angle, as well as a general purpose verifocal for indoor use. And then we also have a, um, what we call our MV32, and that's our fisheye camera. So that one can be used for an entire room, and then it gives you that fish, uh, fisheye view. Uh, but then you can actually go into that fisheye view and actually pull out and extract the data. So um, that allows you to cover an entire room with a single camera. And then for outdoor security cameras, we also have a verifocal. Um, so if you needed to zoom in or out um, uh, the, for you know whatever whatever reasons, maybe trying to get a license plate or trying to find out what kind of car that was in a parking lot that may have sideswiped somebody, um, you'll have those you have that available available as well. Um, and then they're both. Uh, for outdoor cameras, they're both uh, IP IP67 rated, so that um, they can withstand you know pretty much whatever can be thrown at them. 
Um, we also have a bunch of accessories for mounting them. So you can mount them on poles. You can mount them on, uh, you know, a cement uh, side of a, of a building um, or even uh, like a telescoping pendant so that you can adjust the height to where the cameras are. Nice. I, I do want to cover one quick thing uh, in terms of accessories that I was extremely excited about when I saw Chem out. So one of the issues that I've seen with talking to customers or even just in my own environments that I've, that I've worked at is when it comes to putting in security cameras, most of the time, customers already have some level of older analog cameras that basically have a coax cable for video and a 12 or 24 volt DC low voltage connection for power. And they've run those cables. They're at the locations where the cameras are. And now they're talking about replacing them because, you know, they're old. They're only 40p. They're, they're, you know, falling apart. We need, we need to upgrade them. Let's go to IP based. Well, now we've got to spend a ton of money in running all these home runs, uh, cat five E cat six, whatever POE, um, all this extra stuff now to, to power and get the data off of these cameras. However, one of the coolest things I've seen Maraki come out with was the low voltage power adapter. Um, and Mike, I don't want to steal your thunder here. So why don't you tell us a little bit about the low voltage power adapter? Cause I think that is about the coolest thing out there. They are cool. And they actually look cool too. They, uh, we call them hockey pucks. They do. Because, they do look they like look hockey just, pucks. They look just like a hockey puck. Um, but with that, like you said, like that allows you to take that existing low voltage infrastructure and repurpose it. So you save a lot of money on that infrastructure cost. Running cable can be really expensive, um, especially in a hospital or somewhere that's um, the labors has to be after hours and it has to be really clean. Um, so being able to just swap out one camera for another is a huge, huge win for us. So basically with this hockey puck, what uh, customers will do is they'll take that, they'll plug that into the existing um, DC, whether it's 12 or 24 volt, and they use this as a converter to PoE. Then the PoE side plugs into the camera. The camera comes online. Um, beauty of the Meraki cameras is all of them have built-in Wi-Fi, so you can actually use your wireless network to pull that data off. You don't need a dedicated Cat Five E or Cat Six cable. And this is another reason why doing it the way Meraki did with the onboard storage makes a wireless deployment so. Um, it makes it possible because if we had to stream 50, a hundred cameras over the wireless network, it would just be, it would, it would, it would just kill it, right? It'd be, it would be too saturated with data, um, to, to be able to handle that. If you were going through one of those, uh, original type deployments where you have, uh, a centralized server and all the cameras just stream their video to that constantly over the network. That's okay on a wired network, but not on wireless, right? Where you have a shared medium. But because of the fact that we're only streaming the video from the cameras when the cameras are being actively viewed, we're not streaming them during recording. It's just metadata that goes up and up through that wireless connection during normal operations. But the video streams are only actually going through the network or the wireless network in this case when the camera is actually being viewed, uh, you know, if you're reviewing footage or, or whatever. So... That's that's the only way that you can do this because if you if you try to do the same setup with any other camera and try to do a video stream with you know multiple cameras on a wireless network you're going to kill it you're going to absolutely kill it um, so I think I think it was really cool they came out with this and again the the way they designed these cameras with the 
built-in storage just it just makes it work it's true it's a very unique approach but i think it's one that works and uh, we're starting to really see it in the industry um uh, you know on the uh the the security side because um, a lot of it teams have seen these and love them and use them for racks or uh, data closets or something along those lines but now that the facilities and security people are seeing them they're really starting to take a liking to them as uh, because like you said it's it's not going to overload the network but you're going to have access to all of that footage that you might might need for you know whatever whatever reason, maybe legal purposes or HR purposes, whatever it might be. Right. Yeah. So I mean, if if you as as a as a customer are looking to replace your aging uh, video uh, security camera infrastructure, and you're in that position where you have the older style analog style um, cameras. Meraki is a great choice. You just grab a low voltage power adapter, you get one of the cameras and a license, and you're pretty much good to go. You don't have to spend all the additional money on wiring, which I know uh, can be very prohibitive in in the instances you gave with in a hospital environment or even older buildings where wiring is uh, uh, prohibitively expensive due to abatement or uh, or you know different structures or anything that have to be drilled through, like concrete and uh, cement stuff like that. So definitely, definitely something to consider. So Mike, I'm, uh, I think, I think the the cameras are awesome. I want to kind of switch gears here into the latest Meraki product announcements with the Meraki IOT sensors. Um, and I'll let you describe it from there. What, what can you tell us about this, uh, this latest product announcement? Oh, so the Meraki MTs is is, uh, basically it stands for Meraki things or Meraki internet of things. So those IoT sensors um, are are really essential for uh, businesses in today's environment. With, with COVID, a lot of the IT departments are no longer allowed to be physically on site. The sensors allow them to actually see what's going on in their physical environment. So they can check for temperature hum- and humidity. They can see if there's a water leak, which is would be you know, catastrophic for a data center um, and opening and closing sensors to keep track of who's coming and going or you know when that data center door was open or closed. We're really um, working with IT departments for this first generation of sensors and it's to fill in those essential decision-making gaps that IT may not have today with being remote. So yeah, that that makes a lot of sense, right? We're we're not in the environments as much, right? For a lot of our customers, we're not they're not in the office. They don't get a chance to go peek in on the server room, make sure everything's okay. Maybe they have cameras in there, which you know, hey, if you don't, Meraki cameras are pretty good, uh, pretty good option there. Um, but a Meraki a Meraki camera, any camera is not going to be able to tell you uh, how hot or cold it is in there, right? It's not going to be able to tell you. If there is an air conditioning failure and your server room is now cooking nicely at 96 degrees, um, this is where these additional sensors come in. And at least in my experience, majority of the time when I'm looking at, um, you know, temperature sensor or something like that, it's usually along the lines, it's usually something connected to like uh, the uh, the battery UPS, right? Because it's the nice thing about that is it's you, you figure, okay, it's going to, it's going to run all the time. It's going to be on there. It's, it's going to be dedicated to that. Um, and you throw up the the sensor and you're good to go. Uh, but as you mentioned too, the, the, the water detection for the, the leak detection, as well as the open and closed door sensors, 
those are going to be different products altogether, but we're going to take all three of those very critical elements, I would say, and put them under the Meraki simplified umbrella, right? So, So let's talk a little bit about how these things are powered and how they connect up to the Meraki, uh, Meraki cloud. Sure. So as, as you guys know, and uh, most of your listeners probably understand is the market saturated with a bunch of IoT products, right? I mean, you can get IoT for microwaves, for your refrigerator, you know, whatever you can imagine, you can get it, you know, even a doorbell, right? Um, what we're trying to do is just um, specifically target those data centers and the data closets for IT teams. Where um, the sensors really shine is the implementation and just being able to log in and get them running on your network. That's the um, that we miraculize the IoT so that the security is covered as well as the way that you can actually add these into your environment. Um, for an example, if you have you know a few hundred of these sensors. You have an order from Meraki. All you do is put that order number in your dashboard. Dashboard will know that these serial numbers are part of that order and fill in your entire dashboard with those. So then as you're rolling them out, all you do is you click on that device, you assign a an alert profile to that device, and then you're putting it anywhere you want. So um, included with the device are the uh, batteries that are needed. Um, so the MT10, 12, and 20 um, all require AA batteries, um, which actually come with the order. And those batteries will last up to five years um, because the devices aren't always communicating. They only communicate when there's an alert and to check in. Um, so when they first come online, we actually have a TAM um, security check. So when the device comes online, it will use either the Wi-Fi 6 Meraki APs or the um, uh, second generation of Meraki cameras and use those as a gateway. And that security check is done between the device itself as well as the Meraki dashboard. So this is a a Cisco uh, trusted anchor module that's used in order to avoid any uh, BLE or Bluetooth um, man-in-the-middle attacks and also to... um, do that hardware authentication check between the device and dashboard. So once that's set up, those devices don't have to talk to your LAN. They don't have to talk to the WAN. They go right to that gateway. The gateway encapsulates that into the M tunnel to the Meraki dashboard. And that's how you get your alerts. So long ago, you had to use a a policy-based firewall rules in order to secure that IoT east-west traffic, that's no longer the case. We've really simplified that security as well as the rollout. So instead of having to touch every physical one of these, all you have to do is pick them up, put the batteries in, you put them within um, you know, a couple hundred feet of an AP or a camera, and they automatically do their thing, come online, you set the alert profile, you're up and running. I mean, it couldn't get any simpler. I, I really like the idea of the, the uh, trusted anchor module there because uh, I've watched enough episodes of Mr. Robot to, to know that all, all it takes is, you know, infiltrating that IoT device uh, and then being able to, to gain east-west visibility. But you're saying here, too, because of the fact that we're not connecting to the Wi-Fi, 
uh, we're using Bluetooth low energy, there's two things there. One, we can run on a, d- a couple of AA batteries for up to five years, right? Because there's no way you're going to run a Wi-Fi device on AA batteries for that long. But right. with Bluetooth low energy, you absolutely can. And secondly, because I'm not actually connected to the Wi-Fi, I can't really go anywhere other than just, you know, sit there in my little Bluetooth home and, you know, beacon out and hope maybe someone uh, someone connects to me. So exactly. it, it definitely sounds like a very simple way of doing it. Um, and that's what Meraki has always, you know, prided itself in being is, is simple. That's exactly it, because we really try to make it simple. And after looking through the rest of the industry and what others are doing, we said, there's got to be a better way. This is really difficult, not only getting into the devices, but configuring them, putting an IP address on them, getting them on your network, and then securing your network afterwards. This really takes away a lot of those steps and, and really helps the administrators actually go in and do what they're supposed to be doing. And, and I'll tell you, there's there's a benefit of having a dedicated device to do this. You know, I mentioned before kind of the way that I've done it in the past has always been with the network interface module and like, let's say, a UPS or something. But let me tell you, uh, there, it, it's, a, it's a great way to increase your blood pressure. If you're ever looking for a need to increase blood pressure, go ahead and try to do uh, a firmware upgrade on one of those network interface modules on a UPS that's, that's running your entire data center um, <clears throat> because you've got some issues there and you're concerned about the whole thing, all the warnings that pop up about, you know, be careful, make sure this thing is, uh, is stable because, uh, <laughs> it could possibly shut the whole thing down, <laughs> which is like, wait, what? <laughs> I'm just trying to update the network card. Why, why is it risking to turn off the, the stupid battery backup? <laughs> so it's, it definitely, there's, there's benefit of having a completely separate system that, you know, just like the rest of Meraki, right, keeps everything up to date. If there are any updates for these things, I can't imagine there's a whole lot except for maybe security vulnerabilities that might be found in the in the BLE stack. But just keeping these things up to date, just the way that, that all the other Meraki stuff is uh, is done uh, automatically, uh, it, it just it just seems like a, a, a smart way of doing it. Yes. Yep. I definitely agree with that because the, you know, today's day and age trying to upgrade firmware or even if there is upgraded, updated firmware available. I mean, there's some of those, um, you know, like whether it's a, uh, you know, a doorbell or other type of IOT device for homes that they don't have updated firmware. So if there's a, if there's a, a bug found or a hack that's available for those and everybody knows about it, well, it still exists. It means they haven't been yep. fixed. So with the uh, Meraki, you can roll out firmware upgrades whenever you want and you can, um, you know, assign it to all of these devices to upgrade all at once. And you don't have to worry about going to each individual uh, device connecting to it like you just said you know trying to find a serial cable nowadays or an adapter for a serial cable trying to get onto this thing to, <laughs> to be able to actually communicate with it so yeah we we've, we've mean i don't have to set up i don't have to set up a tftp server to update my uh, meraki stuff I, I don't have to do that <laughs> no <laughs> no you do not no that's uh, good now I, you, you brought up a good point too especially when it comes to iot right iot has and i think rightfully so a bad rep of of being insecure because you know i I, when i was um younger and more naive and my kids were younger we set up one of those cheapo 50 dollars amazon ptz cameras in their you know in in their room to be able to to be able to keep an eye on him you know if he's if he got out of bed or something like that he used to he used to try to get out of bed and then he'd go over and fall asleep next to the door so we want to make sure we didn't open the door and hit him in the head you know because that's what good parents do um but this little cheapo camera I swear one time it, it had two-way audio on it, and I swear some audio came out of it one way, and we ripped that thing off the wall, 
I think we took it outside with a hammer and, and we never put it up again. And it was, it was a camera that the, the, the firmware wasn't maintained. I mean, and all you have to do is uh, check out the beers of Talos pad podcast where those guys will talk about all the, all the time where these devices are not updated. They're not taken care of. Um, so you need, if you're going to go with any IOT device, and this is just, you know, public, uh, public service announcement, right? Any IOT device you're going to go with, make sure it's with a reputable company that's going to continue to update and support that product. And that may very well mean that you're buying a product that's going to have or come with a monthly subscription because you're giving them now incentive to do so. If you're going to buy a $50 camera, there's absolutely zero incentive for that company to continue to provide firmware updates for you to make sure that your camera is safe for years and years and years. Uh, whereas if you're going to go with, you know, insert insert name here, doorbell, where you have to pay 10 bucks a month, okay, there's definitely an incentive there for, for uh, them to make sure that the product is secure so that you continue to remain a paid customer. And it's the same thing with Meraki, right? These devices, there's a hardware cost, there's a, a license, a subscription that goes along with it. That's the incentive that we have uh, that you uh, to continue to make sure the dashboard is secure and to make sure that the the products that are in your network are safe and, and resilient and, and not going to be uh, as prone to attack. Uh, that's that's the incentive there. So, you know, just uh, for for anyone who doesn't know this, right? I'm I'm sure for all the listeners, you're just nodding your head like, yeah, Brian, I get that. Shut up. <laughs> but for anyone that doesn't, that's I mean. That's table stakes there. It really is. So I'm sorry. I had to go on a little rant there. Um, Mr. Boyd, did you want to swing over and uh, ask about our integrations and APIs with this product line? Yeah. And uh, sorry if you already went over this, but what are some of the variables that the sensors can, can monitor? Okay, great question. So with the different types of sensors that we have, uh, so you can monitor for water, ter- water, excuse me, temperature, uh, humidity, and open closed. Um, so if you take the prototypical network closet, um, you could have open closed for the door that leads to the network closet, then um, you could either have the Meraki camera there, and with some of the APIs we, um, what Brian had just mentioned, um, you can actually tie that in so that when you get an alert that the door is open, if that camera is facing that door, you'll get an automatic picture from that camera um, to send to the administrator uh, along with the alert. So you get an alert from your camera as well as an alert from the open closed. Um, the water and humidity are two different um uh, sensors. So with uh, water detection, it comes with an eight foot cable to place pretty much anywhere in your network closet. Um, so you could put that on the floor. Maybe if it's a raised floor, you could put part of it under the floor um, in order to detect any water leakage and even up to like one milliliter of water. So it's basically a drop. Um, it will alert and say that there's water in here. Um, so that's uh, it's really kind of cool so that you don't you know, lose an entire network closet because of a water leak. Um, and then the temp and humidity is really um, used within the rack and in conjunction with other services and other IoT devices, maybe like a uh, backup power supply system or a shelf that has the, uh, the cooling fans. Um, and for a perfect example of how that was used in conjunction with there's a major um, uh, company that had a, uh, a rack for all their um, their uh, servers, and I think it was just mostly VoIP servers. But um, 
and they had the fans from a company that we won't mention, um, but that fan door was left open and they had put one of our temperature sensors in the rack itself with their servers and they got an alert from our temperature sensor indicating that it was really high temperature and that they should go in and check. So they went in and checked and they found that that fan door was actually left open. So that fan door and that alarm system didn't trigger anything because it wasn't detecting the high temperatures, but ours within the rack did actually detect those high temperatures and probably save them a couple servers. Wow. Wow. That's really cool. And I'm seeing a lot of potential there then with integrations. Um, so what does our open API look like and what can we do with that? So um, back up a little bit, go to back to the dashboard on what you can actually do with these um, sensors, right? So um, again, it's that single pane of glass. So you can monitor the cameras right from the same dashboard as well as these sensors. So you can see it all from a single pane of glass, which really makes management and administration a lot easier than we've seen in the past. The API integrations are pretty much um, uh, webhooks. So if you have a webhook server in order to gather these alerts, the Meraki API for the MTs will send those webhooks to your alert server in order to either generate a uh, uh, IT ticket, if that's what you're using it for, or to just notify you that there's been an alert through your alerting system. But you can also use email or SMS uh, right from dashboard. So if you had an IT group, you could put the entire IT group email in there that would send them a blast email to say, hey, I get this alert. I'm seeing this. Um, or you could have it set up for SMS for you know that, that, um, that on-call cell phone or whatever it might be. Okay, awesome. So if it's something really high priority, like a data center getting too hot, you could just have it blast out SMS, email. Um, your ticketing system maybe so that everyone's aware of the problem and they can get down and, and fix it immediately. Exactly. Yeah. And with uh, Meraki, we have a uh, full integration now with uh, ServiceNow. And by using those connectors, we're able to integrate with a lot of um, IT's servicing ticketing systems and the ability of the APIs to pull in all of that data including uh, serial numbers, uh, you know, geolocations if they've been if they've been added to dashboard, um, along with what you want for alert criteria will actually come into ServiceNow so that your servicing and your opening tickets can be auto can be pretty much fully automated. So when you're getting into a Meraki network, um, it's not bad if you have five or six pieces of equipment, but when you have twenty thousand or fifty thousand pieces of equipment, how do you pull those from one place to another, right? That's where the APIs really come in handy. Nice. Simplicity and automation, that seems to be the theme of this show. Brian, if we didn't call it ConfT with your SC, I think we'd call it simplicity and automation. <clears throat> one sounds a little bit better than the other, though. Which one, though? Uh, well, one rhymes. I'm, I'm just going to leave it there. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mike, this has been exciting stuff. Um, really appreciate you coming on the show. Are there, are there any resources that you can recommend um, that people go to to check out and learn more about uh, either of these two products we've discussed today? Absolutely. Um, always start at meraki.com. 
But um, if you want to do a little more deep dive, there is documentation.meraki.com. And that is a um, really intelligent uh, smart search engine. Um, so you can go in and use keywords to find what you're looking for and how you can actually uh, either implement that or um, add that to your Meraki network. Awesome. And we'll be sure to include the links for both of those resources on our show notes. And with that, Mike, uh, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for uh, talking to us today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. So, Mr. Boyd, what did you uh, what did you think of that one? Yeah, I think this is a really good one. Um, I certainly think that physical security is not something you may think of when you think of Meraki, um, but they do it really well, and they do some things, um, you know, a little differently than the rest of the market, but uh, I would say in a positive way. Yeah, I mean, Meraki, since its inception, and I know even like before and even during Cisco's acquisition of Meraki, right? Everyone looked at it like, who would want to pay a, a, a license, a monthly or annual license to be able to run an access point, which is what they were doing at the time. Um, but when you look at the bigger picture, the dashboard, the cloud native intelligence and stuff like that, it, it really does make sense. And because of the f- way that they do things a little bit differently, it's really been able to allow them to spark further innovations. Like I mentioned before about the, uh, the because of the fact that the cameras have onboard recording, they can connect to wireless without actually saturating the Wi-Fi network, right? And having to do all the streams into the centralized uh, recording server. Right, right. So just stuff like that really kind of uh, makes, it makes sense and it makes things a lot easier. Uh, it allows them to think outside the box. Um, what did you think about some of the cool things we're doing with the, with the sensors um, that were just released? Uh, once again, I, it all sounds positive, especially the simplicity of setting it up. And then, you know, the, the part we spent a lot of time on, which is security and how it's disconnected from the rest of your network. You don't have to worry about that. So um, I think it yeah. adds a lot of value and there's not much to worry about. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. And I, I'm excited to see because, I mean, Mike mentioned a couple times first generation MT, right? He's he, he used that that phrase a couple times and I I'm excited to see what they're going to come up with, with gen two. I mean, I remember when the cameras were first announced, like we looked at them, we're like, okay, yeah, these are cool. That's kind of weird because they didn't have a lot of storage, especially in the beginning because, Mm -hmm. you know, flash memory was extremely expensive back then. Um, I mean, it's, it's still kind of is, but it's come down significantly since then, but there were definitely a lot of concerns around those, those cameras, for example, uh, and retention and stuff like that. And then over time they developed things like the, um, autom- uh, motion-based retention. They came out with devices that have more storage. And then, of course, they uh, released the ability to do the cloud archival for organizations that absolutely need to have 90 uh, days or 180 days of recording on you know, on hand for whatever compliance issues, right? So we've, we've seen there in the short time since the Meraki cameras have been announced how many different innovations they've made right just going from regular camera with onboard storage to now a device that can count the number of people in a room and send an alert to apis or whatever to change signage to tell people hey get out there's too many people in here you know mm-hmm. um that's that's huge so I'm, I'm very excited to see what the mt lineup comes up with and uh what the next generation of hardware is going to be as well as what other software innovations they can come out with so yeah definitely something to pay attention to it could be uh new variables that they can monitor things like that yeah, no, it'll be it'll be fun. And again, I think 
they kept it simple, right? Bluetooth, low energy, a couple of AA batteries that they send with the device, which, I mean, come on, that's uh, that's that's smart, right? Because the last thing you want to do is have to go hunt for AA batteries, especially in an enterprise environment when you're going to go plug this thing into a, a server rack. So um, smart of them to include them. But I think I think uh, positive stuff all around. So I think, uh, Mr. Boyd, I think we'll call this one a wrap. What do you say? Sounds good to me. Thank you, as always, for being on the show. And thank you for listening to ConfT with your SE. If you have a question you'd like us to answer or a topic you'd like to suggest, please send us an email at hello at conft.show. And if you like the show, please rate and review. And don't forget to subscribe so you can get notified when we publish an episode every two weeks or so. Show notes for this episode can be found on our website at conft.show. That's C-O-N-F-T dot S-H-O-W. As always, stay safe out there and don't forget to save that config.